0: Hello Alaska, this is Pat Race,
1: and this is Matt Buxton,
0: and this is a podcast about Alaska.
1: An occasional podcast about Alaska.
0: (laughs) What? I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Governor Mike Dunleavy, who Matt and I have both been critical of in the past, uh, put out a report to Alaska Year One uh, this this past week, um, and it's a video update. Um, it takes the form of an interview um, with a uh, with a staff member, and uh, and it's. These are always got a the best interviews, boom. in my
1: opinion, is when <laughs> you get interviewed by someone you're paying. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's it's really nice when you know what the questions are at a time um and and then there's a bunch of bullet points of like things that he's accomplished and some of these bullet points are a little bit dubious things like um things like fully funded k-12 education or partnered with university to reduce spending and better serve students if you've been following the budget battles this year and the vetoes and the recall effort um you know that partnered with university to reduce spending and better serve students is a little bit of a stretch um, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. held, held hostage
1: <laughs> and threatened, I think, would be uh, a good one. Yeah. A little more accurate. I mean, that's sort of the thing. You know, I I, I think about this a lot. You know, I, I come from a journalistic background, so I'm not supposed to be necessarily critical of everything at every turn. But I think that's kind of where we're at right now is that, uh, you know, I think there's been a lot of kind of dubious things. There's kind of been a lot of, you know, Weird things that line happen to line people's pockets in interesting ways, where it's really hard to, at the very least, not be super skeptical about everything that he does. I think that it's sort of, we're at a place now where he's kind of put himself in like a big hole of trust. Really, I think that it was easier to be positive or, or at least take things that even, you know, Bill Walker or even really Sean Parnell were doing at face value because you weren't at a place where you felt like you're constantly being either lied to or misrepresented uh, the facts to. And I think that's kind of where the sort of administration, you know, the first year really for me is sort of encapsulated is just a feeling of like, nothing's really been playing on the level almost
0: it's been a breakdown in trust it's like it's like your trust your trust gets eroded and eroded and eroded and then if Dunleavy did do something good I would be skeptical of it because I wouldn't even be able to recognize it yeah and that's like yeah so I especially tough
1: (laughs) especially because you know it's an administration that I think its tagline is restoring trust or a more transparent government or any something like that it's like no, it kind of isn't. It's sort of been the opposite of that. You know, you look at, uh, you know, the, the privatization of the Alaska Psychiatric Institute. You know, they gave a uh, sole source, attempted to give a sole, sole source contract in there when they first got in there um, for multiple years for tens of millions of dollars, and it wasn't really until a bunch of public backlash to the media and through legislative offices um, got them to sort of you know pay attention and, and at least start, you know they are now doing it kind of through the sort of legit channels but still you know just all of that I think is is reason to be skeptical about everything so I don't know yeah
0: uh, and uh, and just to like okay I'm gonna do here's here's a challenge Matt yes I want um I'm gonna do like a 30 second just run through of the last year okay so Okay, so here I go. I'm going to start my timer now. All right, so he's sworn in in December. He appoints some people. Uh, he appoints Ben Stevens, who's was at the center of like Alaska's largest corruption scandal. Um, he meets with Trump. He uh, A bunch of his appointees get run off. One guy lies about an ice cream stand. Uh, another guy wants to have sex with your wife um, <laughs> on Facebook or something. Oh, um, and they also he, loyalty pledged
1: everybody, too.
0: Loyalty pledges, ACLU lawsuit, um, declares war on criminals, uh, budget cut lands, $1.8 billion in budget cuts. Um, makes, the, the, then, makes the
1: house go bipartisan.
0: Yeah, makes the, the house splits. Um, and, uh, oh man, and Eastman tries to swear in Sharon Jackson in the courthouse. <laughs> um, Andrew Kitchenman asks about if, to, if his budget is an example of institutional racism. Uh, doctors from API resign over the loyalty pledges. Um, he ships out the national guard in support of Trump, um, removes F- French and a bunch of people from, uh, different corporations and, uh, boards. Uh, let's see what hell, what else happened? Uh, rallies across Alaska after the budget lands. Uh, he, t- he violates the constitution. The chief justice tells him that he has to pick from a judicial council list. Um, house finance hears testimony from 1,800 Alaskans. They, uh, let's see what else is going on. um, <laughs> He removed people from the Human Rights Commission, sued over forward funding of education, uh, or got sued over forward funding of education. Um, and then there was a special session on the budget, and he ultimately vetoed $440 million from the operating budget. Called a special session in Wasilla that only half the legislature showed up to. The, the legislature failed to override his vetoes. Recall campaign kicked off, gathered 18,000 signatures. Uh, this is going past 30 seconds, but you get the gist. It's been, it's been a year. So lots of lawsuits, lots of controversy, um, lots of people angry and, and ultimately 49,000 people signed the first round of, of recall signatures, which helped to moderate some of his positions. And so he let some, he walked back some of the vetoes, they passed a budget and he, uh, didn't end up getting his full pfd that he wanted Mm -hmm. which was kind of his his main pillar campaign promise just as so
1: was all going to plan it's all gone to plan according to according to his one year one report it's been great you know
0: which has been yeah so it's all working out um so the uh and and i know there's a lot more than that (laughs) that doesn't do it justice but but it's been a, a hell of a year and did you watch this video i'm curious what your thoughts are on this video
1: it's weird it's really weird I mean, I think – so, I you know, I come from a communications background, right? I just haven't seen quite as, like, ham-fisted as a communications policy as the governor currently has. You know, he kind of seems to be behind the ball on everything. Nothing seems all that sincere, you know, kind of looking at this. You know, this is complete softballs left and right in kind of a bizarre way where it's like, do you know you – know, you know you can take multiple cuts and attempts of at stuff if you're – you know, it's like even – even in the kind of whitewashed sort of perfectly sort of studio version of it, even that doesn't come off all that well. And that is sort of what is sort of confounding to me is that, you know, these are, there's bad policies that are tough to sell, but you, people have been selling them other places, you know, you can make, you can kind of sell this stuff. And that's why I think there's so much, so much um, focus on the economic kind of indicators being so good right now. Uh, well,
0: and I thought that was interesting. too. Yeah. He leads the video. He leads the video and the website with these economic indicators. He says 3.9 percent GDP growth in the first half of 2019, which probably can't really be attributed to him. Right. <laughs> Lowest unemployment in Alaska's history. Also, that's a little bigger than even our state because the nation's unemployment is so low right now. Right, one thousand eight hundred new jobs added. Alaska's wages are up five point six percent. Personal income growth. So these economic indicators are really like good and interesting, but I don't know that they're on the scale of like, hey, I made all these cuts four months ago, and now the economy is booming.
1: And that's what I think is so interesting with it. You know, you go back to the budget time when. When they were, um, you know, the legislators were trying to evaluate the budget for the sort of impacts it might have on local communities, especially when it comes to property tax rates. And kind of his answer was well, answer through OMB director now de- dearly departed OMB director Donna Ardoin is kind of like, who cares? Like that was sort of their response is that they didn't care about the local economies. They didn't care about any of that sort of stuff. And so for them now to kind of come around and sort of say that all this sort of stuff is working out just right is kind of doesn't really line up you know because it doesn't seem like they were ever concerned about those sort of things in the first place and so now they're coming back and and they're sort of cheering them is so bizarre to me because they never seem serious about them in the first place so and then yeah and this whole idea that they're they're you know because we were when we were looking at the cuts initially there was all these you know economists coming out and saying look if they're implemented like you were proposing they're going to you know, to, to devastate the economy, we're talking about. You know, we're talking about. We're talking about huge cuts. You know, and not and not just to state spending, but also local revenue. And so, if all those sort th- of they were saying, if all these things are implemented like he wants, it would be a de- you know devastating to the economy. Like only a small fraction of all those sort of things got implemented, and then a decent right. amount more of them are kind of these like quote unquote fake cuts. You know, cuts to Medicaid spending that kind of aren't going to land when we come around to it. So we're going to have a big um, we're going to end up spending it anyways.
0: Well, that's an interesting point you make about the, um, the economists uh, who testified last year from like ICER um, in the legislature. And they said, you know, if you make cuts of this magnitude, it will devastate Alaska's economy. And then they ended up rolling back a bunch of the vetoes under recall pressure, and they made much smaller cuts. And some of them, as you pointed out, aren't real cuts. And then now, what they're saying is that, like, look, we did all these cuts, and it didn't hurt anything. Yeah. And everything's fine. And so it's it's kind of that's the part that's really disingenuous to me is that there is that they didn't actually get what they wanted, and had they got what they wanted, it probably would have been catastrophic. Uh, and now they're saying that what they wanted wasn't catastrophic because they because they got a very small portion of that past and it didn't destroy the economy. Mm-hmm. And, well, and then so I, yeah.
1: after the fact, you know, Dunleavy was. I think he literally said at some point, oh, I was just trying to start a conversation with those cuts. You know, that was a budget to start a conversation, which which, you know, go, comes into the sort of current day, you know, where he's sort of, you know, I think he's gotten kind of credits, in, you know, some in some places correctly, in some places, maybe a little too much of this sort of you know casting himself in sort of a a makeup mode he's you know he's had plenty of quote-unquote kind of conciliatory speeches and and statements that he's given to various groups you know he's sort of saying now that he's going to be listening to every community and every group that wants to talk to him about the budget you know once they get how is he listening once they get done venting is yeah is the but that's that's the thing yeah
0: that's what's so frustrating is it like that feels like a great example of gaslighting when someone says they're listening, but they aren't actually listening like he he's said he's listening people are treating him like he's listening, but I don't see any indication that he's actually done much listening like he's, um, you know, he's not he's not doing the he's not doing what the House Finance Committee did last year, certainly, and going to all these communities and taking public testimony, you know, they had 1800 public comments. Um, maybe he's reading through some of those now he, does, he' there's no indication that he's doing any of the actual work. He, he's just kind of paying lip service to like, hey, I'm listening. It's sort of like that that frustrating um like relationship trope of the of the husband that's like, yeah, yeah, I'm listening <laughs> <laughs> like, uh.
1: yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. you know i've I've heard of him having conversations with, you know, people who are key donors, you know, to either the recall effort or the anti-recall effort, you know. And so I think there's, you know, that's the whole thing, is that he has sort of acted like the recall is not a big deal, it's not valid, blah, blah, blah. People do want to not have to care about government all the time. Like, it sort of sucks to always be worried about everything. And so if he's giving people just the people who are, again, you know, aren't feeling a lot of pain because they're not, maybe reliant on some of these services like you know pioneer homes or the alaska marine highway um i think a lot of those people are looking for just a reason not to not to not have to worry anymore and to be able to put the pocketbook away so i think it might not work on quite a few people but if it works on the right people that's kind of where i guess i'm concerned i would you know hope people aren't starting to tune out. But I guess, you know, that's, we have the budget coming up, we have the session coming up. It's sort of, I think, natural to sort of tune out at this point.
0: Yeah, I think it's the time of year. You know, like, there's a lot of stuff that's just in limbo. There's a lot of things that are tied up in court. There's uh, not a lot happening right now because the legislature's not in session, and everyone's kind of catching their breath. So I think it's it's okay that it feels a little quiet right now, and I don't think that it's going to remain that way. And I think that, um, you know, and he, he, Dunleavy great at coming across like kind of a uh, banal uh, moderate. Like he sort of just like says the right platitudes in the right way and it's a little bit boring about it. But his actions are what we really need to pay attention to. And I think we saw that last year with the, you know, when he finally rolled his budget out, when he finally rolled his vetoes out, people reacted. And that's going to be the same thing this year. If he takes that heavy handed of an approach, I think it's going to backfire again
1: right but you know that's the sort of the thing though right is that he in a lot of ways has sort of boxed himself in Uh, you know we've talked a little bit about the campaign promises you know his promises not to cut the ferry not to cut um you know the university not to cut education you know not to cut basically everything that he he did end up trying to cut at least um
0: and so now he's saying you know now can we trust what he's saying this time around
1: yeah and and,
0: and and also is there any indication of like what is coming out like we're so today we're recording this it's december 8th and uh you know by the 15th he's going to drop a new budget so um you know i haven't I, i'm in communication pretty regularly with a lot of people that follow and work in alaska state politics um and i know you are too and mm-hmm. i really don't have any concept of like the shape or size of this budget or what's going to happen you know the best tip i got was that like oh it's gonna be 25 percent across the board and that doesn't mean anything to me right yeah (laughs) i don't know
1: so yeah i I mean (laughs) i I haven't heard really anything either i mean i think i think and that again you know we're going into this right now right currently we don't have permanent positions uh for the budget director the revenue commissioner or the spokes press secretary so all those are currently either unfilled or have a a temporary person as of this moment and so I think it kind so, of speaks to like the difficulty that it is to hire these sort of people. I think, you know, there's a difficulty in wanting to take on a, you know, again, it's a difficult job. Like there, we're not, there's not like a e- easy sort of decisions to make here at all. You know, with a lot of these things, um, you know, either the PFT is going to change or new revenues are going to be implemented. Like those are all tough decisions or, or more cuts. And so. I can't see this being like a particularly fun time to be in government either, if I'm being honest. Um,
0: It's a lot of cleanup. So last year, here's my question for you, Matt, though. Last year, Donna Arduin was kind of the public face of the budget. You know, he put her out front and, um, you know, she took a lot of flack for him. But this year it's been, you know, she's ostensibly not around anymore and there's like you said there are temporary people in unfilled positions like who is leading the budgeting process this, this year and what are we going to see like are we going to are we going to actually see a are we going to see more of a draft budget like he put out his first year or are we going to see the actual like proposed budget we don't know <laughs> we really don't know
1: yeah i mean that's that's what is so remarkable about it is that you know he's talked also about having a uh, roadshow kind of thing like he did last year, talk to the public more directly. No public dates have been put out for that sort of thing. So, you know, I think that's that's where we're going to find out just how serious, you know, whether or not he's listening or not. And again, I think th- it's going to be interesting because, you know, he really has sort of boxed himself in, in a lot of ways. You know, so um, his first budget, I think, was really playing to the base. You know, this whole idea that we can just cut cut our way to a balanced budget that and a, and a big PFD and meanwhile doing all these sort of conservative things on the, on, on the side. And so now, you know, I've seen comments about people who, are still mad that they don't haven't don't have their sixty seven hundred dollar PFD or or they're mad that he didn't use the veto pen like he had promised. And so Yeah. Um I think that's kind of an interesting sort of place to be in. I think that, you know, now he's breaking his like post campaign campaign promises. He's breaking those with a lot of his supporters too. So I, I just can't see it being a particularly fun place to be in. I think it's a and I think that's kind of, a you know, I think he's in a incredibly difficult spot. I think, you know, you same as Bill Walker was, I don't, don't think either of these people really wanted to run for government when um, we're facing hundreds of millions of dollars of, to, of uh, budget deficits in a year. But um, that's kind of the job, I guess. And, uh, you know, I think I, I think about a lot back to where where we really first met, which was the University of Alaska Fairbanks had held, um, hosted uh walker's budget sort of summit in yeah 2015 yeah. and it brought a lot of people together and i think that's kind of I, I that sort of time i think so strongly contrasts with me of what happened this year so you know in, in june and july of walker's sort of first summer after the first legislative session he was out there um, you know, trying to build consensus about what to do about all these holes in the budget. And meanwhile, Walker or Dunleavy now is, you know, he, he split up the legislature into, into, into a, a tiny faction out in Wasilla, so they couldn't even get their business done. I mean, I think you can't be more illustrative with like how divisive I think that has ended up being
0: Yeah. And so you you mentioned his campaign promise for a balanced budget. I'm kind of curious. There's been a couple articles this week about the supplemental budget. And, um, you know, they've said that it could be the biggest supplemental budget in state history to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, how does that factor into this balanced budget promise, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing is that, like, I think, um, you know, the the supplemental budget has always kind of been a way for people for legislators for governors to kind of cheat the budget system you know there are there are tons of tricks you can do with it that have been done by both parties by whoever is in power um, of being able to shrink budgets and make them look bigger and all that sort of stuff but like this budget yeah played that to like the nth degree i think there was a lot of um kind of quote unquote like hijinks and stuff that is has built been built in there i think Um, And I think ultimately, you know, I think a lot, you know, we spent the first year of, of Walker's, Walker spent definitely the first year of his administration, like fighting with the legislature, he had a lot of difficulty getting a lot of stuff done in his first few years. So I think there's definitely like an experience level there. But I think that Dunleavy seemed to come from, I think, a very conservative, even more conservative than a lot of us expected kind of, kind of bubble of, of, Sort of this really right wing thing where they're kind of telling them themselves this kind of I think fantasy about how government works and about how Barack Obama is you know unilaterally doing all this stuff and then they get in there and then they've basically kind of done all this sort of shady stuff but for real and you know I think you look at a lot of the um, the the procurement stuff you look at the the kind of all these no bid contracts a lot of these new positions that are are being created. To be given to political donors and their buddies is just so scummy and i can't remember what the point was i was trying to make with this but that is just it yeah. really grinds grinds my gears about it it's just like i'm so I get so frustrated about the way this this administration has been run for this year is that you know i've said it over and over again is that there is you know i think there is a cons- a way a good conservative government could work that would be kind of you know, functional, and I think ultimately kind of work pretty well for everyone involved, you know, it'd be, you know, an economic driver, blah, blah, blah. I think there's a world in which that exists, but we really haven't seen it really very, very recently, I guess. And so um, that's what's so frustrating is that not just that this is a conservative government doing conservative things that I don't agree with, but also it's not doing a lot of them very well. And I think there's, you know, it's either they just Are kind of amateur hour or they have a weird idea of how things work or they are deliberately trying to be kind of disruptive with it but i think that is that's what i think i can have come around to is is being maybe the most frustrating thing is that it's just this kind of year that feels like a lost year in a lot of ways
0: yeah well and you talked about an experience gap and i think that's part of it for sure but there's uh you know some of it is just trying to you know get the the beast of government to go a direction it doesn't want to go yeah um you know and maybe you know if i do have to pull out some like thing that he is doing that is that that is positive you know he is making very hard decisions about cutting our budget and um I don't agree with them necessarily, but I do realize that cutting the budget is one of the four things that we need to do to get Alaska on track for like a, you know, for fiscal stability. You know, we need to cut the budget, figure out like how, what we're going to do about dividends, uh, in, institute comp- some kind of broad-based tax and then get more money from the oil companies. And so he is he's leaning very heavily on one leg of of this four-legged thing. Um, but he's doing something that that is you know, ultimately a hard and thankless job. And so maybe once we're done with him, we can r- kind of rebuild the budget from the, from the, from the rubble. But, um, you know, so that's, so he is doing a, a difficult and thankless thing. And I think that I can, I can at least recognize that while not agreeing with the, yeah. with his, with his approach to it. I mean, I think there um, are
1: things like you look at, you look at, look at how the university is going now. You know, I think, um, the place you know it's making so they, they kind of ended up in a agreement with the governor that they're gonna cut 70 million dollars over three years right so it's a big cut um but he had initially announced you know a big basically double that size in one year was his initial plan and that was right,
0: so would have been just bonkers
1: and it was disruptive too I think it ended up really you know it scared a lot of people me you know myself included away from doing taking classes at the university it was it becomes really hard to um, plan on any of these sort of kind of wild decisions that the governor is sort of cre- creating and kind of chaos he's creating through a lot of these things. And, like, a lot of it didn't end up coming to fruition, and that's great, but... Um
0: but you have you to think, prepare for it. I've, yeah. I've I've seen seen people working in government. that have to prepare for these proposed changes. So you know Dunleavy might say he's just trying to start a conversation. But the reality is that people's jobs are changing, and they're reacting to what's happening, and they're preparing for it, or they're trying to justify the existence of their job. And then their job becomes, then like, it, it's funny because a lot of Republicans uh, view government as like this thing that's just there to justify its own existence but they they make it that by putting it under fire you know you put these employees who are doing good work into a position where they're spending all their time justifying the work that they're doing and they're not allowed they have no time to do their work or they're dismantling and and rebuilding their entire department you know every couple years and and it becomes an exercise in inefficiency and so like i feel like just some better long-term planning would solve a lot of these problems and criticisms
1: right right you know i and think...
0: better communication you know it comes back to communication yeah. i think that you're like he's not he's not um he's not telegraphing very well what it is he wants he's not uh letting people know and and i've come back to the budget that we're gonna see next week is that i don't get a sense that alaskans are prepared or Or know what's coming down the pipeline and when you put that on people they're gonna react and they're gonna react adversely because everything is a surprise I described it as surprise party budgeting and it's like a really unpleasant experience to be like hey your department's cut
1: right or your service is cut or your ferries are cut and and then again you know the a lot of his replacements for this sort of stuff are all you know these proposals are all to privatize and to put into someone else's pocket and those sort of things you know i think require a lot of deliberate study to make sure that you know it's a fair process that peop the, the people using the service will be better the state will be better off and i don't think that sort of stuff is really happening to the sort of rigorous degree you'd hope it to be happening on and i think that is again really frustrating because i think there are like again i think there are a lot of like valid conversations to be having about like what government should look like how it should be functioning especially in a state like this but it doesn't feel like we're having any of those discussions and again i think he you know he's done what his one of his um quotes was once people are done vetting i want to have a conversation with them about what they think alaska should look like and it's like I, th- I, think we've been having those conversations for a little while. First of all, and venting calling it venting's just crappy.
0: It's kind of a father knows best approach. Like maybe yeah. it comes from being in education for so long. You know, he's he's you know six feet seven or whatever, and I... he's worked in education, and and maybe he's used to just being the like biggest smartest guy in a room full of fifth graders. And, I think and that and I... treats everyone else like. That, I think that know? has
1: a lot to do with it, to be honest. So you look at kind of how this whole thing has been handled, you look at a lot of his sort of personal or public appearances and stuff like that, and it is kind of this sort of, you know, if someone challenges him, he gets kind of flustered about it a little bit, and he's sort of like, oh, you know, it's as if as if a little kid just told a, told Mr. Dunleavy to shut up or something like that, and it's um, it right. might have worked in when you're a prin- principal or uh, an administrator like he was, but it just doesn't feel it feels sort of at odds, I think, with what we like to think about as the Alaska sort of experience and Alaska identity of sort of being, you know, Alaskan before anything else and...
0: Yeah, we're, we're in it together and we're all peers and like we all, you know, we have different skills but we complement each other and, and you know, it's you don't want someone that's just like, listen, my I know best and I'm not gonna tell you what that is, but you'll find out soon. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm big, you're dumb. you am well, big, you're little, I'm smart, you're dumb. <laughs> No, I think that I think that has um, a lot to so, do with it. I think, and I think, I yeah. think that you see that through a lot of the communication stuff. I think it doesn't. I don't think it even occurs to them that a lot of this stuff looks bad or ham-fisted. You know, the 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 orange interview, for example, or this sort of paying your 135000 thirty five thousand dollar a year guy for um, for to to lob you softballs. You know, that just has this bad appearance to it. You know, you look at. Yeah, there's just stuff left and right that is so frustrating. Yeah.
0: Yeah, with that video, like it's not so bad that he's trying to educate Alaskans, like on you know, like that's his 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 right and, and his duty, I think, is to like share his viewpoints. But I also think that he's he needs to go out and like I don't see the interview on. You know, he should be doing an interview with ADN and Alaska Public Media and Fairbanks Daily News Miner at, at the very least in the Joe Empire. You know, like he should at least be doing the same level of rigorous interviewing with actual journalists in the state. You know, and and that they're not, um, you know, I don't I don't know that like they're getting the same access that he's giving his uh, you know in house journalism news team or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, you know, and it's weird that he frames it as like there's kind sort of this, like, news framing to it. Um, yeah. And so it, it feels like a little bit of a supplemental replacement for actual journalism, and that's what's really frustrating and awkward about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so budget's coming out next week. Um, do you have any predictions or insight?
1: No, I mean, he, the, really, the only things that he's really said about the budget is about what he's not going to be doing with it. So... He's talked about not trying to uh, repeat his efforts to uh, confiscate revenue from local government. So that's like somewhere between $500 and $800 million, I think, right there. Or is it $500 million? Anyways, uh-huh. it's, a, it's a large amount of money that's not on the table. He's talked, I think, about not cutting education significantly. I'm not really sure. University is apparently off the table because he says the $70 million cut right, there you go. is all good. Um, yeah, it, I don't know where you're going to cut. I mean, I think that's the thing is that, you know, if he wants to cut 25% across the board. Um, yeah, I'd like to see that. I mean, he could go the whole route of doing unallocated cuts and just saying legislature, you find it. But uh, again, the legislature's bounced that to the administration before to decide. So.
0: Yeah, it'll be a. It's going to be a tough year, especially with the pressure from the supplemental budget, and then there was this big report that came out that, you know, basically said we can eat our entire permanent fund if we're not careful. Right. Um, you know, so permanent fund at risk, market wobbly. You know, like it's there's a lot of there's a lot of potential for catastrophe. And um, James Brooks said uh, he had a good thread today, and he said that the. Uh, it kind of ends it with Alaska hasn't just reached its fiscal cliff, it's gone over. And now the only question will be how bad the landing is. Yeah. Okay, so the governor says, what I want to hear from these folks when they when they get done venting is what they want Alaska, Alaska to look like. So Matt, I think that we're done venting now. What do you want, what do you want Alaska to look like?
1: You know what, this is actually something I've had a lot, I've been thinking about a lot, and I think I kind of like jump between kind of the, the greater picture and like what I want it to look like for me. And I think maybe just focusing on what I want it to look like for me might be a more, at least less nebulous sort of discussion than typically. So I guess what I, what I, my big concern here is that like, I, I want to keep on living in Alaska. Right. And I want to be able to one day buy a house and have kids Maybe hopefully and like have a future in this state. And when you know when when my partner and I talk about schools, it's like a, it's still a concern about whether or not they're going to be funded. We talk about the university; that's a big concern. Um, you know, the ability to buy a house is you know all. The, so I think, and at the core of all of those sort of discussions is like this sort of discussion about um, certainty. I think, and I think like. Mm-hmm what we've been talking about, my kind of biggest knock against the Dunleavy administration is that I don't feel like there's been a whole lot of um, certainty about anything or stability and everything kind of feels like it's up in the air. So I think what I'd really like for me is just to see us kind of stop all this sort of like really disastrous infighting and kind of focus on building things for the future. And that's for me, you know, Quality education up and down, and you know I think a lot other things too. I think and the bigger picture of things I would really like to see is affordable energy for a lot of people. I think that's for me. You know, I lived up in Fairbanks for a long time, you know where I think the kilowatt the percent kilowatt hour is something like in the twenty to thirty percent range, depending on kind of the time of year. Um, so it's just ridiculous. I think that sort of stuff um, stifles a lot of the sort of economic development angle of things. Um, so yes cheaper energy make it easier to heat homes make it easier to live here make it better to live here make it more you know quality education makes it more mobile for everybody um yeah. Yeah. That's my thought.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. I, and I agree with you on all of that. Like it's, it's interesting, like balancing kind of the personal stuff with the big picture stuff, but it is all interconnected. And when you talk about stability, you know, I think about the state budget and how like, you know, this idea of forward funding education is a great one. It's like if, if, if educators knew what the budget was going into a school year, instead of like having to hire and fire a bunch of people at the last minute, you know we'd have a lot more stability and you know i think about the kind of the four prongs of how we can fix our our fiscal house you know we have got this uh, the dunleavy method of like cutting the budget like there is something to that like we do need to make sure we're not spending our money frivolously but i don't think it's like just a wholesale uh slashing of the budget just without any sort of uh eye out for what the impacts are um and then I think that you know we maybe we do need to talk about what the PFd program looks like going forward it would be nice to have the certainty of a dividend for future generations and maybe we need to figure out what that looks like and what you know what does a dividend look like now if we want to make sure that our our kids and our grandkids have it um, income taxes we need to pay income taxes we you know we've had a multi-generational tax holiday and we've gotten too used to this idea that we can just get everything for free and I think that I, I would like to pay a state income tax um, and I would like people that work here and work and come to work here from out of state to pay that same income tax. Um, and, and the oil companies, we need to like hold their feet to the fire. We need to be getting the best deal we can for our oil and we need to not be like giving it away where, you know, this um, – I do like the, the initiative that Robin Brenna put out the, um, you know, I don't think we can be just giving away all this money on these legacy fields, these giant corporations, um, you know, just to enrich their own investors. We're, we're supporting people that are making millions of dollars outside of Alaska instead of supporting our own citizens. And it's because we're kind of ultimately too afraid to confront these large companies. And I think that that, the I guess what I want is like a stronger Alaska, like, but not like strong in the Alaska strong sense, (laughs) kind of strong in the sense that like we're willing to stand up for ourselves, um, against some of these outside interests. And that we're able to look out for the little guy that we're able to provide, um, You know, the kind of opportunities that you want, the kind of opportunities that I want, and the kind of opportunities for people that are our least fortunate citizens. You know, we need kind of basic services for people to help them get on their feet and stay on their feet.
1: It's not just, I think, standing up for ourselves, but standing up together in a lot of ways. I think there's this kind of... Yeah, yeah this i think it's like a divide and conquer sort of strategy that that other kind of outside groups sort of adopt here and i think that's kind of you know we talked going back to some of the things we talked about really early on in this podcast um as in this series this this the podcast as a as a multi-year thing is we talked about kind of what we really liked about alaska and a lot of that i think was kind of goes to that kind of hokey sort of folk wisdom saying that we have where, you know, if you get stuck out in the middle of nowhere, we you someone will stop for you and someone will make sure you're yeah. okay. And, yeah, your car
0: breaks down on the side of the road.
1: And and you have to, right? Because, you know, everybody's on the edge of everything. And I think maybe you're right. Yeah, I think we've kind of become complacent with the fact that we haven't had to pay taxes. I mean, we, meanwhile, you know, honestly, we're lit. This, this whole state is so different than the lower 48 that I think that well, – framing things in lower 48 ideas is really detrimental. You know, Fairbanks is on the lower half of, you know, the mainland state and it's a frontier in a lot of ways. You know, there's, yeah. it's, you know, you, you go outside of it and there's nothing, you know, in, in, in a way that I think is, is really foreign to anybody that lives in the lower 40 and honestly kind of really foreign <laughs> to anybody who lives in Anchorage really. And I think, um, as soon as you get out into any the, of the rural communities, it, it just becomes so obvious how different it is. And I think it becomes really frustrating when um, I think this governor has been really divisive about a lot of issues. And a lot of it kind of comes down to, you know, it's like an urban versus rural. And I think that it really undercuts a lot of the value and uniqueness of our state. I think, you know... Every part of Alaska is Alaska, right? But there are I feel like there are some parts that feel a little more Alaska than 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 Anchorage, I guess. You know, I I think that everyone jokes, you know, the nice thing about Anchorage is that it's a close drive to Alaska, and it's honestly kind of true. You know, you get to see so much of it, but um the idea so where much more. Yeah, the idea where it's like this kind of constant consolidation. You see it in the report um, about the um, Alaska State Troopers being mostly focused in, in um, the Matsu Borough. I think it's just like this idea where we're kind of forgetting about the rest of Alaska when we're kind of when these communities and people are making sure they get theirs and it, and not realizing it comes at the expense of everybody else. And I think it's lost opportunity, it's lost identity, it's just a lot of loss for what feels like really short term gain. Yeah,
0: and and this idea that you know rural Alaska is like a. a th- thriving place you know it's like people have lived there for ten thousand years and it's not just like uh you know these these remote parts of alaska aren't just for someone to build their million dollar hunting and fishing cabin you know it's not just a playground for the rich you know this is this is a place that is really special for a lot of reasons and i think that we need to hang on to that you know my mom just watched the atla film this last weekend and she said she was crying because it was it reminded her so much of what alaska was like when she moved here and um yeah it's interesting that we you know i think that in some ways this consolidation of our population into kind of a, a you know one dot on the road system is uh, we lose touch there's like this this gap between the center and the periphery um and we lose touch with with what it means to really live in alaska
1: right so, well,
0: hey, yeah, that's, hey, that's that's a good. I liked your vision for the future. I like the idea that that Alaska is a place that you can go to school and that you can grow and raise a family and like get a job and you know live your life basically, and you don't have to worry about all this stuff because there's some stability. Yeah, you know, like that's the ultimately that's the thing. Is like why am I? why am I recording this podcast with you right now? And like, I, I, I not, you know, we're not making money off this. We should, I should be working on my business or doing work for a client or something. But I, we feel compelled to participate in this ongoing discussion about our state because it feels so off the rails and it feels so, it feels like we're going to lose something.
1: It does. Yeah. I know. I think, I think about that a lot. I think about, you know, the conversations I have about my future and about my f- few years ahead. And it feels like one of the the growing, the sensible option, right, is to find a way to relocate and find a way to find a new career in another state. And it is so sour and, and disgusting to kind of think about it that way. If I'm being honest, it feels so uncomfortable to be talking about it that way because You know, this is a a state that has given me an incredible opportunity. You know, I think that's, I feel so lucky to be able to, I don't know, be a part of the community. And it feels like something that I've, is so unique and so special. And I don't know, I want to stick it out is what I'm trying to say. And I think that there's a lot of people in Alaska that feel the same way. And I think that's what really heartens me is to see everybody else fighting and continuing to have these conversations. And honestly, you know, it's not like a lot of these conversations we've been having for a long time too. And so, um, and I guess, so a little bit of that infighting does feel healthy. That does feel, you know, that kind of does feel part of the Alaska experience where everybody in Fairbanks can get around in a circle and shoot inwards. So, um, (laughs) you know, so, I don't know. I think there, that's that part of the character too. And I think, so I'm not saying that, uh, you know, we don't need to turn into one Borg and sing Kumbaya all the time.
0: So how do we get from this point where we are now to these ideas that we're talking about? Like, what is it going to take for, um, you know, is, is the governor listening? Is, is this a, is this a productive conversation? Where do we go from here?
1: if only we had a giant squid monster to unite (laughs) us all
0: no yeah yeah. (laughs) you know watchman reference (laughs) yeah
1: hey the 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 series is actually really good um so you know i think this is a kind of conversation that i wish had really happened more um more robustly i think during this fiscal crisis you know especially under walker it felt like it ended up being kind of just sort of you know like a Triage almost like they were just kind of getting through the year and that's sort of what it's felt like Pretty much every year since the oil really turned down is that It's sort of just a battle to get through the year to get some kind of budget passed and there's not been a lot of vision and I think that's also kind of been a difficult spot for Dunleavy because I think there is some level of if you kind of piece together what he said well, and we're kind of doing the communications work for him is that he does talk a little bit about, you know, we need to do things differently, especially if our revenue is going to be um, gone. And, and his idea has been to, you know, lop off things without engaging anybody along the way. But I do think that there's actually is a way to kind of do what he's doing in a productive way. And that, I guess it, Better communication, right? I think that takes somebody that yeah. kind of has the power of the governor's office or something like that to be able to pull everybody together in a room for some kind of I don't know, maybe a, a, a budget summit. What? You know, I think actually if we could redo that Walker's budget yeah. summit again, I think that'd be a really interesting time.
0: Yeah, I think about like what the House Finance Committee did and and how great that was. Like this, the when the House Finance Committee went on their listening tour and engaged, uh, you know, eighteen hundred Alaskans. I think that was phenomenal and that's the kind of thing we need to build up that's the kind of thing alaska's leaders need to recognize is necessary is to have this conversation that takes us to a new place you know to a new understanding and it's going to be a difficult conversation and there's going to be disagreements but it needs to be like framed and uh facilitated in a in a productive way so that we can move forward and i think that like whatever happens if it happens without having that fundamental conversation that is core to our Being, I think it's going to fall apart. And so we, yeah, you're right. I think a budget summit or something like that. So
1: if you're listening and you have (laughs) that
0: power, get on it. (laughs) Well,
1: I think too, I think that there's still a lot of people who are not on the same page with the budget, you know, who don't, who either believe that we can still magically cut our way to balance. You know, you hear this, you know, these people talking about efficiencies or right-sizing government. You know, that's been a conversation we've been having, you know, a billion or $2 billion ago, you know, and so for the people to be continually trotting out this oh just find efficiencies and just right size is kind of bs especially when you know when is it right size i think that's kind of a conversation that we need to have is if if you're gonna want to cut you know when's when when is the time to stop cutting and when's the time to start growing and starting putting things back and i think you know either i think it lays bare i think some of the really deep ideological differences but i think um i think ultimately i think a lot of people aren't on the same page i think a lot of people in alaska are being told that that the the fallen revenue can be managed easily you know i think that there's there's people out there who still still believe that there can be a pain-free solution to where we're at and i just think that's really not true and it's really on alaskan it's going to be uncomfortable but i think alaskans have it in them to be able to pull together and make those tough decisions and move forward together
0: all right i like ending on a little hint of optimism so yeah let's let's call it a podcast we'll uh catch up again after the budget comes out and um it should be out this next week here so i'm sure that will light fires anew yep (laughs) <laughs> All right, have a good evening Matt and uh yep. goodbye Alaska. See you. Too. Goodbye.